So let's, uh, let's, let's do what we do and, and invite the Holy Spirit in this place. Father God, we thank you for your love for us. It's above and beyond what we can even fathom, ask, or imagine. And yet we come here to just get a taste, a glimpse, a, just even a, just the slightest touch of your garment, Lord, that you would bring healing into our hearts, that you would transform our minds, that we may be like you. In Jesus' name, Holy Spirit, move. Move in this place. Move. Speak to us. Speak through us. Amen. Amen. So I was feeling a little bit, I don't know, maybe it's been a little while. I don't know if you've noticed the last few days, though, there's been a lot of angst and anxiety and, and that's going on. And I, I've been feeling it, and I know everybody's been feeling it. So we, this morning I did my usual ritual with going to, the, to Starbucks and I'm just like fed up and kind of tired of it all, so I just walked in with no mask, and, <laughs> and, and, and I walked in, and they, they instantly like, like, like a beeline at me, and it's like, hey, do you have a mask? And of course, I had it in my pocket, so I'm not that rebellious. <laughs> and so I said, I said, oh. This poor lady, poor girl, she's probably only like 19 or so, poor girl. I was like, oh, didn't you hear? It's over. It's over. The hoax is over. It's all, it's all been a big ploy for the Democrats to win the election. It's over. And she looked at me, he's like, uh, it's a corporate thing. I'm sorry, you have to put a mask on. I'm like, oh, whatever. She, she didn't buy it, and I was, I, and I, and then of course they messed up my order and double charged me, and when they, they now, now at that point they're like, not wanting to take my money because they didn't trust me of being, being I'm like, oh gosh. <laughs> the manager, she was looking at me, just shaking her head like, oh Eric, you're so, and she knows me well. But anyway, praise the Lord. What's that? I don't know. It cost me a little bit extra. <laughs> but of course, I think that you know where where something is taking place, and we as a body of believers, and I, I know you guys are. Um, you're devout. You're 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 you are of the few. Know that, and and know that those are the words that Jesus used to describe you. He said, "Many will take this road that is wide and easy, but it will be a road that leads to destruction. And few will take a road that is narrow and straight, and it leads to life. You are of the few, and I and, and I know we need to." recognize that because I think that that's something that we need to actually like engage in and embrace even embrace to where say okay Jesus we need you we need you your help we need all of you so that we can be all in with you and that's where we're at right now I believe that 100% in our culture in our country and and our prayers um, you know I, I, I was I was aggressively you know uh, not attacked physically, but there was even yesterday, just being at the store, there was aggression coming out against Christians and Christian organizations that were accusing us of being only we only pray to the to the uh, we only pray for the president that we like and this and I was like, hey, no, 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 hold on, time out. That's not how that's not how we roll. We pray for all of God's authoritative leaders in office, whether it's in pastoral office, in political office, wherever we are at, we pray for those that are in leadership. We pray for our police. We pray for those in, 
And uh, he just he just wanted to just start a fight and just wanted to accuse me of something that was that I was not. <laughs> um, I was like, well, that's that's okay. We're I can still love you and we can still have conversation. Although let's I don't want you to have it here because this is God's place. And so we we had a we had an interesting conversation. But in, anyway, because he wasn't looking to really converse, he was just looking to condemn. We're there. That's where we're at. Um, a, pray that, uh, a prayer that Robin and I have been praying, and we've been praying this not only separate but even together, is a prayer that is, uh, is that, I don't know if you guys remember the story of Balaam. Um, if you can recall, this is a story that in the Bible where, where God, God used Balaam, even though Balaam was a, a prophet for hire, so to speak, and, 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 uh, and one of the, I, I can't remember the, the, the king who wanted to hire, tried to hire Balaam to go curse God's people. Who was it? Balak. I don't know. Uh, I shouldn't have got that mixed up. But Balak was the king who wanted to hire this prophet to go curse God's people. And as he went to go curse God's people, he spoke blessings. And I love that because, of course, we know that's where we get the story of the donkey trying to stop him because he's like, ah, this, you're going down the wrong direction, dude. It's like, <laughs> and he's mad at the donkey for having more sense than himself that kind of like that's almost descriptive of where we're at isn't it it's like but but here's where so my our prayer and this is a prayer that I, i'd ask us and we're going to pray this and we're going to pray this much and i think we need to pray this fervently right now right now right now right now and and until the times until god intervenes i believe we need to step up and step into where god has placed us is a prayer that as, as people speak, have the intention of speaking a lie, a truth comes out. Wouldn't that be absolutely wonderful and almost comical? But I think it's something that we need to be praying for, praying that as people speak and their intention of deceiving and lying, truth comes out. Now, that prayer can also, I, I'm going to say that's risky because the people you may like may be speaking something that you didn't like. <laughs> but let's pray it anyway. Let's pray it anyway. Will you, will you join with us in praying that, that God will intervene? Justice will prevail. Yes. Amen. Amen? So I want to get into, I believe there's a message in, t- in today that I wanted to share. I feel very, very strongly convicted to share this message uh, about our, our place here as not just a not just salt mine believers, and I say salt mine believers, not just believers in Jesus who attend a fellowship that we have a name called the salt mine on. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. Amen? Amen. I've been speaking of the goodness of God because it just seems like I just can't get it out of every single, and I, and I'm, I seem to be finding it in every, almost every passage of the Bible. Like, there it is again. There it is again. The goodness of God prevails. The goodness of God wins out. The goodness of God pursues us in Psalm 23. I'd never seen that before until I read it just recently. It actually says, surely your goodness pursues me all of my days. (laughs) I love that. Have you never seen that before? I didn't see that before. And I've quoted that scripture so many thousands of times. I've read it, I've read it and quoted it, and I've never seen it so bright as I have lately, that His goodness pursues us all of our days. Hallelujah. We need to get God right. 
we do need to get God right. I think that we are, we are in a place and a time. And, and just in case, I'd like to welcome some visitors back there. Yeah. <laughs> it's Jerry and Camille. Oh, awesome. Welcome, welcome to the salt mine. Um, we do have a, we call it an open style fellowship. You can see we kind of have tables set up and it's really kind of convenient and comfortable. But we encourage, I strongly encourage, and, and even, even try to induce interaction. In other words, I, if, you, if you have a question, comment, you could throw stuff at me, whatever you'd like to do. Uh, I, I, I love a good hearty amen. <clears throat> that means I, I, it tells me you're with me. Um, so we encourage interaction. We need to get God right. Matthew 22, verse 29, and this is again another... I don't know. Oh, gosh. I'm, I might have to go and find it in my iPad because there's a verse, but I'll get to it. But, I, man, I just got distracted by myself. <laughs> Stop laughing at me, brother. <laughs> Jesus answered, and this was a conversation that he was, he, was, uh, he was dealing with as they were trying to trick him, trap him into something in, in regards to the resurrection and, and it was the Sadducees that were trying to actually trick Jesus into giving a wrong answer, even though, as though they had the right answer. Isn't that comical? I think it's just funny altogether. As though they had the right, right answer, they were trying to trick Jesus into giving the wrong answer. Huh. Man, there's a lot of things I just look at like, huh, <laughs> today. Jesus answered them, said, you are wrong. You are wrong because, and I like that. I don't know why I like that, because he actually gives them, here's why you're wrong. You're wrong because you know neither the scriptures nor the power of God. Do you hear that? Saying, if you are, and it's like, I I just hear it so clearly. In my ignorance of scripture or my ignorance of the the revelation of the power of God, able and capable of working in my life and the world's life, in my ignorance, I am going to be wrong. You hear that? I, I mean, we need to identify that as like it, it, where I am, where I am misplacing and how about this, misrepresenting God. Where I am misrepresenting God is because I don't know Scripture and I don't know the power of God. Wow. We're in a battle, right? I think there's a battle. I mean, you, you, I'm starting to hear things that, you know, these battleground states. And like, wow, I guess that means, well, what's, where's California lie? Uh, too, too far left. Uh, yeah. I don't know. We're in a battle, though. We are. I just, I, I heard that. Placer County is now almost an equal equilibrium, if you will, as far as uh, red and blue. And that was like, oh dear, that's where I live. <laughs> oh dear, that's where I live. <laughs> this is getting more real and more real than I think we even know it. But there's something even more real than what we're dealing with even today. That what we deal with even in our, this flesh and in this world. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, starting in verse 3, three through 6. There's, there's, there's a 
There's a point that Paul makes in this passage of Scripture that I am going to highlight. So I want us to pay attention and see where he's, where he's at with this. Because most of us, we, we've heard this, we've seen this, we've read this. We, we understand it, maybe even quoted parts of it. It says, For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. So even though we walk in this world, our battle is not of this world. Isn't that amazing? So many of the, just a couple of the songs that we even sang today were about turning, turning bones into armies. Oh man, I was thinking that was like, that's what we need. We need some angelic armies right now. Some spiritual armies and God's calling us, his people. Because this is a direction for us. For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but they have divine power. Divine power. The weapons of our warfare have divine power. Do you know what the word divine means? Godly. They have godly other than power. Other than this power. A power that is above all and in all. Our weapon is, has divine power to destroy strongholds. To destroy strongholds. What is a stronghold? I'm just going to, let's just hit it real quick. Because I think it's, it, we need to quickly identify what a stronghold is. Because the weapons of our warfare have the divine power, the God power, to destroy strongholds or pull them down. What is the stronghold? I like this. Bill Johnson describes it as this. A stronghold is a safe hiding place. Listen to these words. A safe hiding place that the enemy has in our mind that we give it and even defend its existence. Do you hear that? A stronghold is, a, is that place that we have in our mind. A safe place that we give the enemy full reign to that we even defend its existence. In other words... I want to keep it there. I want to keep my thoughts like my thoughts. Have you ever, you, you ever, have you noticed the confusion in the world today? It's extremely, uh, like, wow, blatant to me. It's so much like this. I don't know, David, you probably see this. You, you know, it does, uh, people who have, like myself, I'll just, I'll just use myself as an example. I, 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 I go to many different homes in our community, go up to their door, knock on their door, ring their doorbell, because they asked me to, to pick stuff up for a thrift shop. Here's something that I've noticed that is extremely confusing to me, and yet it is extremely prevalent. I mean, like it's everywhere, is they have a welcome mat that sits right in front of their door with welcome on it, <laughs> friends to all, you know. And then right at staring in my face is no soliciting. I'm like, I don't know what to do. I'm confused. <laughs> Welcome, no soliciting. Well, uh, what do I do? I'm just getting out of here because I don't know what's going on here. It, but here's that. That's where we're at. We live in this world and, there's, and we're all a part of it. We're, 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 we're saying one thing and doing another. We're... We're saying that here's what the, how I want it, but here's how I'm going to vote it. Like, well, wait, what? 
there's so, so much confusion. I believe, and I believe 100% and strongly, and this is what the conversation that I had with the gentleman that was really kind of attacking me yesterday, it's like, I, I strat, flat out told him, it's like, I have the mind of Christ. I have right thinking. Only in the mind of Christ can you have correct thinking. He's like, oh, how dare you? You're a sinner. It's like, yeah, I've sinned, and it's covered by the blood of Christ. But you, 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 he's like, I just didn't know what to say to all this, because I'm like, I was declaring myself steadfast, true, and right in Christ. And I stood that ground firmly until he was spinning around confused and didn't know what to do except accuse me of being a hypocrite. That was, that, I love that one. That was go there. Oh, you hypocrites. I'm like, God, yeah, yeah, okay, let's go there. Or, or just you go away. In Jesus' name. But here, let's get back to the text. I, where, where did I leave off? To destroy strongholds. So a stronghold is that safe, safe hiding place that the enemy has in our mind that we give it and even defend its existence. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and, and amen. And you know, the if you can, he said that that when that's why the Bible tells us to not give place any place for the devil because he can establish a hiding place, a stronghold. And also, the description here, if if anything, Jesus, uh, Paul is referring to this, you, you know, the stronghold of a city or a city is is the city wall, and the city wall has this it has this. Uh, um, it's a barrier that surrounds the city that's not only to protect, protect um, from any intruders coming in, but it's also a place, a safe place to hide. You guys remember the story of Joshua and Caleb, correct? Joshua and Caleb, they went into the city of Jericho to investigate and check it out. Where did they hide? They hid in the stronghold. They hid in the place, in the, in the walls of that city so that they could be safe and protected. Now, of course, we know that's, that was of the Lord. But that is what we do, because that safe place in the walls that surrounds the city is a place that actually is a dwelling place for soldiers, is a dwelling place for the armies to hide so that when the city is attacked, they're right there ready to take out the enemy. You guys realize this, right? I, mean, I want us to understand this, because... That which we give, that hiding place, and it's the thinking, it's our mindsets, it's that which we process. That's why Jesus tells us, don't be wrong by being ignorant of Scripture. Don't be wrong by being ignorant of the power of God. Because in those places that we're wrong, and we put our, this, our stance in, this is our principle, it's a matter of principle, this is where I stand. If, if that's a wrong place, you've just given it a stronghold. You've given it, a, you've given it validity to stay. And then when, when God comes into the picture, when God steps in, then we actually have this stronghold that built up that keeps God out. That's why he says that we've got to go on and get through this. He says, the weapon of our warfare are not of the flesh, but they have divine power to destroy stronghold. We destroy, we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion that's raised up against the knowledge of God. And we take every thought captive. 
every thought captive. See, that's where, that's where it begins. The battle is in the mind. We take the thoughts captive. But what do we do with these captive thoughts? Stick them in thought jail? I, I mean, I don't know. What do we do with these captive thoughts? Oh, okay. So, so the, I, I would go with the a translation that makes more sense to me. Go ahead, Kat. Well, okay. This is where I want to take us to another, a deeper place. I believe, can you go with me to a little deeper place that maybe we understand what this actually means? Um, what we do, because he's, he's, Paul is encouraging us, challenging us to, to understand this principle that is, at play, that is in play right now. It's a battle that is not of this flesh. It's a battle that's not of this world. It's a battle that's in your mind. But in that battle, you have, you have the ability and the capability to tap into a power that actually has the ability to, to destroy the strongholds in your mind. But what you have to do, this process is this, is to take the thoughts captive that are not of Scripture, that are not into the power of God, that are not of grace, that are not of the goodness of God, but instead are of this world. We take those thoughts captive and to, unto the obedience of Christ. Do you hear what I'm saying there? Do we hear what we're saying? We don't put it in thought jail. In other words, we don't just like, oh, don't think that, don't think that. Do you understand what I'm saying here? Have you ever tried to not think a good thought? Yeah, it's funny. Because unless we, unless we, Unless there's something that actually takes place in my own mind and heart and spirit, when I try to not think a good thought, what am I thinking? The bad thought, right? That's what I'm thinking. So the only play here that actually works is to take the thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. Do you hear that? obedient to Christ. Do you hear that? Our only play, our only hope, our only help is the power of God that we use to actually pull it down, take it captive, and make it obedient to Christ. Don't you see now, now I want you to read that with that, with that mindset in, and read the Bible again with that in, in mind. I'm, what I'm actually doing when I read Scripture, when I take it in and by the power of the Holy Spirit and it's enlightened, is I am making my thoughts obedient to Christ. Why does He tell you to forgive? Well, that's a good reason, and that is the reason, because when we don't forgive, it hurts you. Because forgiveness, forgiveness is the essence of obedience to Christ. Thoughts that make... For, do you ever feel like forgiving? Do you fit, forgive when you feel like it? I hope sometimes maybe yes. Because that is a working of the Holy Spirit. But I don't wait to feel like forgiving to forgive. I take the thought captive that that person deliberately, intentionally hurt me and attacked me and tried to undo me 
and I choose to make that thought, that thought of I just want to be angry and mad and bitter, and I take that thought captive, and then I make it obedient to Christ, and then I inject forgiveness. I infuse forgiveness into the situation. I forgive that person. Including forgiving yourself, because that's a big one. Because we'll, we we could, you know, we get we wrestle with our own shame and guilt, and we need to operate in forgiveness of ourselves. But we need to be forgiving of others because they don't think like us. We must love them. Jesus said to pray for your enemy, love those who mistreat you. Love those who even persecute you. Yeah. Amen. Forgive us our debts as we have been forgiven. You see, this is, this is, Christianity is not a passive religion. It's extremely aggressive. It's extremely aggressive. When we pray, as Alfonso just pointed out, part of the Lord's Prayer, it starts out with, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What we're actually doing in that prayer, we're aligning ourselves, is that, Lord, use me here on this dying earth that's, that is, that's full of decay, full of confusion, full of darkness. Use me. Bring Light to the darkness. I just got, uh, I, I, I had a, a headlight go out on my truck. And so I had to replace the headlights. And so I just got a, a pair, a set of really nice, you know, bright, nice, bright headlights. And uh, as I was coming to Men's Prairie the other day, yesterday, uh, Saturday, that was yesterday. Boy, it's been a, quite a week, huh? Yesterday. In the morning, it was bright out, or the sun was up, and so it was light enough out. I was like, ah, oh, I got my new headlights. I'm going to test them out. Well, I couldn't tell if they were working or not. Why couldn't I tell if they were working or not? Because it was already light out. It was already light out. I was like, duh, that does, that's not going to help. I was like, well, but I thought, well, the switch works, but I don't know if they're working. And the Lord showed me, or he kind of was like, I think he's laughing at me. Because I was laughing at myself. He said, you do realize that the church is, you are the light of the world. Light is needed most when it's dark. Light is needed when it's dark. That when we try to light up, you know, I, I love you all. And I love that we come together, we worship, we love each other, we hug on each other here. But shining a light in here doesn't really count. I, I, I love what we do here. Don't, I'm not discrediting everything because we, we're actually developing, we're growing, we're equipping each other to be light out there. Shining a light in here, it doesn't really count. Where it really counts is where it's really dark. And the world is getting darker and darker and darker. That means we need, must become brighter and brighter saltier and salt not not in the bad way gosh now now i say that and i'm like ah you know. we must be an antibiotic against decay and there's a lot of it that's going on and we must be light in the dark
I'm going to continue on because there's a super good example in Scripture, and I, I want to say, you guys doing okay? All right, good. Me too. Thanks for asking. Good. Yeah. yeah. It's important to get Jesus right, to get God right. <laughs> Actually, if you get Jesus right, you get God right. How we see him defines how we think and how we actually live. The way we understand him is the way we will represent him. The way to the level in which we understand Christ is the level we will represent him. So when we understand the nature of this truth, we see that Jesus is not warring against the Father, not warring against the Father to reveal some new standard of God. He is manifesting who God is. He is accurately revealing and manifesting the nature of the Father as He has always been doing. See, and believing, believing, knowing that God is actually good and absolutely good is vital to becoming, I believe, effective in the ministry of reconciliation. And that's what God's called us to be, ministers of reconciliation. See, our focus and endurance has got to stay the course. I was, I was just, as I was worshiping and praying, I, I kind of got a picture of, of us as believers on, a, on the road. And for some reason, I'm stuck on that road, the, the straight road. You know, the, the, the road that is straight, here's what he gives us that description, Jesus does, a wide road that's easy, a straight road that's tough. You know, whoever gets into office, here's the deal. We must still stay on that straight road. The road might get even a little, might squeeze us a little tighter. And it might even get a lot bumpier. I mean, so much so that it might get, it might get packed full of snow where we might have to get out of the truck or the vehicle that we're staying in and stay in the course and shovel our way out. We might have to do some things that are a little bit different. But we must stay the course and stay on the road because as we focus on Christ and who we're called to be, salt and light and ministers of reconciliation, we must stay that course. We must. In representing Jesus in a dark world. God is absolute goodness. He is goodness. And Jesus is best example. I want to read this passage of scripture. It's a little bit of a lengthy one because I think it's a fantastic. It's just a great example of the goodness of God manifested in Jesus. It's in Luke chapter 7 starting in verse 36. And we'll talk about it a little bit. This is in the New Living Translation. It says, One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him. So Jesus went to his home and sat down to eat. And when a certain immoral woman from that city heard he was eating there, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. And then she knelt behind him at his feet, weeping. Her tears fell on his feet and she wiped them off with her hair and then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them 
And when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She's a sinner. And then Jesus answered his thoughts. I think that's awesome. That that he did it to Simon. Not that he would ever do it to me. I sure, I don't know if I... Be careful of what you wish for, huh? Jesus answered his thoughts. Simon, he said to the Pharisee, I have something to say to you. Well, go ahead, teacher. (laughs) That's almost a... This is really... There's a lot of really funny stories to me in the Bible. The Bible is really a good read. You ought to try it. It's neat. He said, I have something to say to you. Go ahead, teacher, Simon replied. And then Jesus told him this story. A man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to, silver to one and 50 pieces to the other. But neither of them could repay him. So he kindly forgave them both canceling their debts. Who do you suppose loved him more after that? Well, Simon answered, well, I suppose the one for whom he canceled the larger debt. That's right, Jesus said. You answered correctly. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, turned to the woman and said to Simon, look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, You didn't offer me water to wash the dust from my feet, but she has washed them with the tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. I tell you, her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven." So she has shown me much love, but a person who is forgiven little shows only little love. I know the way that that's worded in so many other translations is, he who has been forgiven much loves much, and he who has been forgiven little loves little. I've always read it that way. But then Jesus said to the the woman, your sins are forgiven. The men at the table said amongst themselves, Who is this man that goes around forgiving sins? This is the best statement I think I've read in the Bible in a long time. Then Jesus said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. I love this display of God's goodness that Jesus kind of lived out right in front of us. And that we have a record of it. So much so that I... You know, I've, uh, I've read this and I've read this it, so many different times and um, at first glance and maybe not doing a, an intense study of it. And it seems as though Jesus is encouraging great sin. Like there's this endorsement to being a great sinner, a big sinner, or sinning a lot. Because if I sin a lot and get forgiven a lot, I'll love a lot. It almost seems that way, doesn't it? But it's not even close to what Jesus is dealing with here. Because I think it's real important for us to understand and see what Jesus is actually showing us. And how he's showing us the heart of God. And and, and how he's showing us this very real thing that we're dealing with. And I think today is, is this real reality that two people, three people, 
10 million people can see the same event, can hear the same words, and still hear something totally different in their minds. Process it, hear it differently in their minds. How we see the same exact thing is dependent on how you see yourself in that realm, in that picture. You see what he's saying here? He's not encouraging a, a big sinner. Like, so, so if any of you who are in the room think, ha ha, I got, I got the market on that one. Right, George? Yeah. You want to you wanna tally up sins? Ha, let's get started. Yeah. My list is through the, out the door, around the block three or four times. And then we'll get to the real stuff. It's not at all what he's encouraging. He's encouraging us to see who we are to see the goodness of God and your, your part, your place in His goodness. Isn't this awesome? Because it's almost as a, you see it, and Jesus said it exactly, He told the parable perfectly. Of course, He was Jesus. He told it perfectly. Both were incapable of repaying even a large debt or a small debt. Do you hear that? That was insightful because he's letting us know that you, no matter how great or little your sin is or how great or little you think your sin is, you are incapable of repaying it. You are incapable of actually relieving the debt. Your debt being forgiven of sin in your life, you are incapable of how, no matter how great or small it is. That's good news. That's good news for all of us. That's really good news for all of us. I know my wife, Robin, she was saved at the age of three. She doesn't have a lot of great sins. I didn't get saved till I was 17, 16, I, uh, in my teens. How old was I? 17. I had a lot more greater sins. Oh, that was not good English. But when we look at who loves God most, it's not about the great sins it's about how you see how much God loves you. How you see that. We got to be really careful right now. We got to be extremely careful. I think extremely cautious of how we represent God to a dark world. How that looks is honestly how we perceive and look at how good God is. And when I see God's goodness in the midst of all of this, and when I see that God is working and He's taking and He's working and He's working and He's doing things in individuals' lives and in this nation's entire makeup, I see that God is still good. And he's doing good work in our lives. And because a person might think totally different than I do, I am still called, I am still a minister of reconciliation to infuse God's goodness into the situation, into that person's life. And that's a challenge. It's a real challenge. I'm going to be really honest. It's a real challenge. We can't just look at it and we can't just cross people off the list. Yes, we know that we are of the few and there's many that are of the many. But we not, must be of the few that is doing the work of God, representing Jesus to a dark world. 
that's our call, that's our duty, that's our obligation to the gospel, to the good news that you and I both, all of us, we were, we were subject to being lost and dying and on our way straight to hell. And God intervened through somebody because somebody had, had the love in their heart and the truth of who they knew God was to show and represent Jesus to you. And that's our call to this world in this day and this time right now, to represent Jesus to a dark and dying world. That's our obligation. And when we take a... I'm going to tell you, there's, there's two spirits that Jesus said that He warned us against. Two spirits. And those two spirits are still prevalent and doing destruction and misrepresenting God. It's a spirit, it's a spirit of religion. It's a spirit of the Pharisees that this man had that invited Jesus in to look like he was a God follower. And then it's the spirit of Herod. You know what that spirit is? It's a political spirit. There's a religious spirit and a political spirit that are anti-Christ. And we must be cautious and careful not to engage with those. We're in a battle, though. This isn't a passive time. We're not called to be passive. We're called to be aggressively working God's grace into a dark and dying world. That's what He's called us to do. And I believe He's not only called us, He's commissioned us, and He's empowered us. God is doing it in you, and God is doing it through you. God is using you and I right here in this dark time. In Jesus' name. I'm going to pray, and I'm going to pray the prayer that I, I shared with Robin, that Robin and I are really compelled to pray this prayer. Let's pray it together. Let's pray that God will use not only this time to bring glory to His name, but let's also pray it that, well, let's just pray. Father God, Father God, we just thank You for Your grace, Your goodness, Your kindness to us, Your mercy that is new and fresh every single morning. We thank You, God, that, that in the midst of, right in the midst, because you are, you are God, You are one, and there is no separation, there is no shadow, there is no turning in You, that You are just, and You are true. All that you are is completely true. So God, by the power of your mighty Holy Spirit, we pray that your Spirit would work in the midst of this nation's lives, in the midst of this nation's economy, in the midst of this nation's uh, worldviews, and all that we have as a nation, all that we are as a nation, that your Spirit would move, and that those who, who are in, intentionally looking to corrupt and disrupt and divide, that truth would come out, that truth would be spoken in the midst, that, that, that whatever darkness is working in the midst of the, the under, underlyings of the darkness, and that that would be exposed because light would just bring it to the, to, the, to the surface, that your light would expose the darkness and bring it to the surface. We're inviting you, Holy Spirit, and I know that 
so many thousands, if not millions, of your people are gathered right at this moment, inviting you, Holy Spirit, into our nation. We're compelling or we're humbling ourselves. We are seeking you, and we're turning from our sins and our wicked ways. And we're asking you to heal our land in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Come alive. Come alive in the midst of us that we may represent you, Jesus, to a dark world. In that prayer, I'm asking that you give us compassion for the lost. Just this very moment, I'm overwhelmed and overtaken with your love and compassion for those that are confused and lost. I ask that you, by your Spirit, that you would graciously and kindly reveal yourself to them. Show your grace and your mercy. Show your grace and your mercy in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Let us worship the Lord together. Let us not relent in prayer. Let's continue in prayer. We must hold it up. This battle is not of this world. We must hold up this battle in prayer. You must engage in in it. Dress yourself entirely. Put on all of the armor of God. Not just parts of it. Put it on daily. And take the thoughts captive until they become obedient to Christ. In Jesus' name. All right, Eric. Like, I think I was going to preach it all over again. I think I was going to start all over. Didn't need to, don't need to. The Lord's good. Amen.